I'm going to be talking about um, letting go or, and or renunciation. So in this practice, as we um, develop the mind, uh, as we train the mind, we kind of utilize two different approaches. One approach is the approach of letting go, and the other approach is the approach of cultivating. So what are we letting go of? We're letting go of tensions, um, unhelpful habits of mind, uh, unhelpful attitudes we have. And uh, we're cultivating helpful ones, like generosity, acceptance, um, kindness, compassion, um, uh, con concentration, alertness, and we're letting go of um, of the self-criticism, judgment, uh, resentments. So all these different unhelpful habits of mind are what we let go of. Um, it's the habits of mind that create, that reflect themselves in the body tensions. Uh, so, but they're habits. All those things that cause us to um, uh, to suffer, to contract, to be struggling in life, are really habits of mind. They're no different than biting your fingernails. Um, every unhappy moment we have comes from follow certain thoughts that we have. One thought leads to another, to another, and then we have make some conclusion about ourselves, about our lives. Um, and it's the habits of mind that create our, our chronic suffering. And so what we do in this practice, we very gradually really start looking very carefully at the habits of mind uh, that cause us to, that we attach to, that we grab onto, that cause this process to happen. Um, we all know how to let go, right? Everybody's um, thrown out a piece of run food, you know, so we know how to let go. It's obvious. One of the obvious metaphors is uh, um, if we're holding on to a hot coal in our hand, you know, we don't have to say, rationalize and say, hmm, that's bad for me. Uh, maybe I shouldn't do that. No, you immediately drop it. It's hot. The problem we have is that a lot of our habits of mind that are unhelpful um, are couched in stories and all these complicated um, uh, scenarios in our mind so that we don't really see clearly how our attachment and how our clinging uh, causes us suffering. Causes us, uh, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's funny, you know, um, uh, I remember. Um, doing a retreat with, uh, you know, with a f good friend. And, you know, he, he was one of these um, happy-go-lucky types, you know, um, never, you know, never seemed to have a problem ever, you know. And, uh, and um, on this first retreat, he said, wow, this is, I didn't realize I'm afraid all the time. And he w it was just so under the surface, so under the surface that he d had no idea that that's what was simmering underneath. And that was uh, like a really, you know, it doesn't feel good to find out you're afraid all the time, right? Um, Suzuki Roshi, I think, said, you know, getting to know ourselves is not always good news. Right? <laughs> So, um, you know, so sometimes as we uh, look inside, you know, and we spend time with ourselves instead of, uh, uh, you know, distracting ourselves and uh, the different things we do in our lives, staying busy, uh, uh, following our desires constantly, uh, we, you know, we get to see some of these things that, um, that we only can really let go if we really get to understand them. And they let let themselves go, just like the hot coal. Um, so it's a gradual practice. It's a very gradual practice. <clears throat> and so what I want to say is that, um, you know, we're, we're talking about letting go, and then the other side of letting go is cultivation, and which Nikki's going to talk about tomorrow. But in, on one hand, they're, they're both two sides of the same coin. For instance, um, Let's say we're uh, noticing a lot of greed, you know, like, you know, maybe in, on retreat it takes a different form, you know, we're standing in line and, you know, it's like, I want more of that, you know, 
that really good dish over there, you know, and and uh, more than we actually want to eat, but that our bodies want to eat, but we want more, you know, and um, and you know, forgetting that there's a whole bunch of people in line that we really want to leave enough food for everybody, you know, having fourths of um, the special special food or something, and uh, um, so letting go of the greed. Um, is an important part of the practice, you know. How does that feel to let go of that greed? You know, it's like you're wanting in the moment, you know, letting, feeling that desire of, I want, I want, I want, you know. And um, one of the things, um, I was saying this in one of our groups today, um, uh, you know, we, we all seem to have these little four-year-olds inside us that, you know, they want what they want when they want it. And they're gonna, you know, they're they're not very polite about it, you know. But but we often feel the same way, you know. We just have are much more mature about it. <laughs> uh, but some of those feelings are still very much the four-year-old, you know, the four-year-old that, uh, you know, uh, you know wants what what they want. And. Um, So in the same way that um, we can let go of the greed in that moment of, you know, I want, I want, I want, and you can just become aware of it and say, oh, okay, uh, I'm really caught in wanting. We can explore how the wanting is and not really um, not carry it out necessarily. We can really pay attention to that that. Uh, uh, emotion, that strong emotion in the moment. And, um, you know, we don't have to, um, we don't have to repress it. It's okay that it's there. It's totally okay that it's there. We can just let it be there. We can watch it. We can ride it. You know, here it comes. It's like a wave. And then it leaves. I guarantee you, if you stood there with that emotion and just stayed with it and stayed with it and stayed with it, it wouldn't be there tomorrow. Right? It just goes away after a while. All those really strong uh, things that we attach to uh, and that are seem so important to hold on to in the moment, every one of them just kind of loses its energy. And so by being able to watch the process, we can really tr begin to trust that when these things arise, they don't have to run our lives. Um, and so I want to say one more thing about the cultivation side, you know, two sides of the same coin, is that when we practice uh, the cultivation side, which is, let's say we're called practicing um, generosity. And so because we're practicing generosity, one, one of the practices that um, one of my teachers gave me said, try to do one generous thing every day um, for someone without um, them knowing that you're doing it. Um, and so it's a really interesting way of developing that, that part of my heart. And that, even though I'm practicing generosity, part of the effect is it's uh, letting go of greed. Because when you're focusing on, on giving, you're not focusing on getting. And so they both kind of work um, you know, on the same stuff that we're clinging to, that we're attached to. Um, and at different times, we might focus one way, you know, uh, focus on letting go, and in, on another time, we might focus on cultivating a quality that we want to cultivate. Um, but on the first day of retreat, my personal experience is that um, I usually, in the first day of retreat, have a lot more letting go to do than than uh, cultivating. A lot of the t as the tensions of daily life, the busyness of daily life, uh, you know, as they start, everything starts to wind down. Um, you know. Uh, there's, there seems to be a lot of letting go that's needed. And so that's why I like to bring up letting go early, uh, early on in the retreat. So one aspect of letting go, um, you know, to renounce something is to let go or give up something, which means we're actually holding on to it. And this is a little bit the heart of the practice. The practice is about attachment, the way letting go of our attachment. 
when we're not attached to anything, we're free, right? We're free to respond. We're free to interact. Um, you know, how much of our suffering is caused by our attachment to our self-image? just an idea. It's just an idea or image. It doesn't keep us fed. It doesn't, you know, uh, keep us warm. It doesn't keep us surviving. It's just an idea. Uh, this is what I'm like, and this is how people should view me. This is how I want to be seen. How much suffering is caused by these, this attachment to, uh, uh, to our status, to our, how, we're, how we're treated by others, all these things. And so we're actually holding on to this idea of, of our self-image. It's a holding. It's an actual holding. And that takes energy. That, that um, uh, creates the tension. And one of the things that happens when you release the tension, you feel lighter. You feel more relaxed. And so um, the thing about letting go of something and renouncing something is that it actually makes you feel lighter and makes you feel better. But the catch is that the process of letting go is a loss. Whenever we let go of something, there's a little bit of a loss. And, and that loss is often what we want to avoid. And... Um, so, for instance, you know, um, um, you know, first day of retreat, you know, I'm thinking, um, you know, uh, I was thinking about work a lot one day. And, you know, this thing about work that was really, really important. And, and um, you know, and I noticed, God, I'm really holding on to that. You know, I want to somehow, here on retreat, I want to resolve that issue. And I really want to resolve it. It's like, and finally, I, tr I finally, after, you know, 30 minutes, I turned my attention to what's really happening now. And the level of clinging I had you know, to, to that fixing that problem. You know, I really wanted it fixed and I want to fix it now, you know, and I was just holding on really tight and my body was really, really tense. And it seems like I'd want to let go of it, right? It just wasn't fun. You know, I wasn't enjoying myself. I was just worrying and, and trying to resolve, but I still wanted to solve it. You know, the desire to fix it to, was so strong. And once I started turning my attention to that desire to fix it, as opposed to the story of, of this is what happened, this is what could happen, blah, 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 you know, just turning my attention from the story to what's really going on right now. And I was just wanting to fix this thing, wanting, wanting, wanting. It was just a strong desire. And as I hung with that and just hung with it, it was very uncomfortable. It was very unpleasant. It didn't feel good. And letting go of the story was was hard. It was hard to let go of the story. I wanted to keep it. I wanted, you know, so I had to actually lose that story. It was a feeling of loss. And as I stayed with it, stayed with it, and then it was just like, ah, oh, finally, you know, as I saw through the whole process, it was just, just such a relief um, and letting it go. It didn't mean that at some point later I didn't pick it up and worked with it well, but, but that habit um, uh, uh, Habitual worrying and and um, and uh, obsessing of that issue, um, you know, just kind of relaxed and allowed me to be at peace with it. So letting go and renunciation are connected, right? Um, Renunciation can uh, be seen as a commitment to letting go. Uh, for instance, um, you know, maybe you've made a commitment at some point to, you know, not eat sugar or to stop smoking or, um, you know, so that's a renunciation. It's a renunciation of a specific, you know, we can have renunciation of something specific. Um, but a much subtler and much more challenging, and those are challenging enough, by the way, um, uh, is a commitment to relate to all conditions in our lives with a mind that lets go. So that means that, um, you know, um, 
you know, just I keep thinking retreat stories, you know. Uh, somebody, um, I was sitting a retreat at Spear Rock. It was a month-long retreat, and which rained 27 out of 30 days. Um, and, um, and I had an umbrella that had my name on it. <laughs> and about halfway through the retreat, somebody took my umbrella. And so it's so interesting, you know, uh, you know, and there, you know, like here you can just walk down to the meditation hall, you, you walk up to the meditation hall and stay dry. There you have to get to the, uh, you had to walk across a lot of rain. <laughs> and, um, and, and I just remember the process, you know, of, um, of, this is my umbrella. How could somebody, you know, just a whole story that built up about this umbrella. And, and then, you know, I, you know, I reconnected with my feeling of, of a willingness. How do I, how do I hold this with a willingness to let go with a willingness to not, uh, add more suffering to my experience? Uh, I'll be wet. Yes. You know, and maybe I'll try to find um, an, an extra umbrella somewhere. Um, uh, you know, so I could work on solving the issue, but that whole contraction about this this horrible yogi who took my umbrella, you know, who was so spaced out and so not mindful, and and you know, all the story, and um, uh, so that that when we're we are committed to letting go no matter what conditions there are. You know, I remember in, um, in some of the earlier years of my practice, you know, I was really practicing well with this, except if I had to talk to tech support. For whatever reason, that just pushed all my buttons. You know, the, um, and, and I, you know, I would be rude, I'd be impatient, you know, I'd be mean sometimes, you know, and it was just like, uh, I had this little blinder in that area, you know, um, and then finally go, oh, wait a second, you know, I'm committed to letting go here too. How can I let go here too? You know, and, um, and letting go doesn't mean giving up or power. It actually uh, empowers us more. Um, you know, when we let go of all this um, uh, resentments and all this twisted emotion, um, you know, we're able to say, um, hey, you know, you're, you don't seem to understand my problem. Can you transfer me to someone who does understand my problem? And you can do it nicely. You know, you don't have to get all, you know, all riled up. Um, we just respond um, much more easily in our lives when we're not uh, so caught up in these un unhelpful mental habits. So I wanted to say something that's really been important to me about letting go. You know, I remember um, um, on a retreat, like I was very, um, uh, I was very upset about. Uh, about something, it, it doesn't matter what, what it was. Um, and, um, and the teachers had said something about letting go, you know, and, and I remember sitting there, you know, uh, saying, okay, let go, let go, let go. And nothing was letting go, you know, nothing was happening, you know. And, uh, and I had this idea that I could just make something let go. Um, and there's some things we can let go, right? If you're, if you're really, if your shoulders are up by your ears, like right now, you know, is there anything in your body that's not relaxed right this moment? Is there anything you can just let go of? So some things are easy. And you may even notice you're holding on to something, but you don't know how to let go in your body. Sometimes uh, some physical thing is so old, so habitual, that it doesn't let go. So different things, um, you know, some things let go easily, some things are really deep, they don't let go very easily. And so, you know, I really like the idea of inclining the mind towards letting go. And that's enough. And to give you an example, um, you know, many of you have probably done this. Have you ever set your alarm clock like at, at a certain time and you wake up right before it? You know, what happened? 
what happened? You inclined your mind to get up at that time, and somehow the unconscious mind did all the work. And so this is what happens with, with when we incline our mind towards letting go. Uh, the work happens. You know, like I remember being in a... Um, um, an argument with my husband, to say the least. It was a very strong argument. It was political, you know, to disagreeing on something politically. That's probably the worst arguments I've ever had um, have been that way. And um, and so I was like really holding on to to my attitude and idea and and very very um, uptight. And and I knew, I remembered that I wanted to let go. And I looked at myself, and there was no letting go in that moment. In that moment, there was no, you know, it was just really strong. And I just inclined my mind. I said, okay, um, I trust that I will let go, and that on some level I want to let go. (laughs) And it was just this little tiniest of a nudge. But it was just like the nudge of setting your clock. It was a seed. I planted the seed. And it didn't take that long for that seed to take hold and for that whole thing to relax in me a lot quicker than if I hadn't done that, which might have been, you know, retelling the story, getting righteous all over again. But just that commitment, that inclination to let go, to to let it go. Um, one of the images um, that I really like, I think Sharon Salzberg said this, um, you know, you can't force um, a flower bud to open, you know, right? You can't do it before it's time. You have to just, you know, we nourish, we nourish it with, you know, water, with nutrients, and it opens in its own time. And so when the mind is holding on to something really tightly, we just nourish it, we give it attention. Just like with a a child's really upset, often all they need to do is be seen and held. You know, they don't need to fix anything. They just need to be seen and held. And so we offer that to ourselves, that we see ourselves, we hold ourselves, we accept ourselves, um, and we allow ourselves to let go, to relax, relax into our experience. You know, I think that um, sometimes we can get just as attached to something really, really minor as we do to something really, really major. Um, You know, I've seen myself get more upset over, um, oh, um, a family member who... um, Left their left the kitchen a mess, <laughs> uh, as to um, you know being in a car accident. You know sometimes the the level of um, attachment to an idea they shouldn't have done that they should have cleaned up is so much so large that it's not really what it is. What really happened, I mean, gosh, I I can't even remember what that was all about. But that level of attachment. Um, uh, is, isn't rational. It's not really rational we get attached to. Um, a really good example is uh, being embarrassed. Um, I, um, I was on retreat, um, and, um, you know, it was really deep, and it was a long retreat, you know, and, and it was like about a month in. Everything was so quiet and still, really, really quiet and still. And it was lunchtime. And, you know, I was like, you know, very mindfully getting my salad. And and uh, I went to get the dressing. And um, my shawl caught on the very oily dressing and spilled all over the floor. And that moment, you know, of um, just sheer embarrassment flushed in my body, you know, of here I, you know, boy, am I a bad yogi here? (laughs) 
and uh, and just that feeling of being being seen for fraud, being you know whatever whatever it was that made me feel so embarrassed, you know. But my I was willing to show up for it, not to hide from it, not to um, move away from it, and I just stayed with it as I just stood there. You know, I, I didn't even begin to clean up because I was just so stunned by it. And um, and just kind of allow myself to feel it. Ah, this is what being deathly embarrassed feels like. <laughs> this is what it feels like. And I just sat with it as it. I stood there with it as it kind of went through my body. I experienced it, you know. And it wasn't that as horrible to experience it as I thought it might be. Oh, I survived feeling terribly embarrassed. It was totally survival the whole experience and you know what and it's okay and I, I mean it's not I didn't have to talk myself into it I just allowed it to come and go and then once it went I just started laughing it was so funny it was just so funny it just uh, it was very light because I was no longer holding on to anything it was just light my heart felt really light and um, you know and people were so sweet they just cleaned it all up around me and and um, I didn't lift a finger I mean I was just <laughs> Uh, it's just very, very sweet. Um, that's letting go, you know. And, and you know, we, we talk about in this practice um, uh, taking the middle path, you know. And, and in a situation like, like this, it's like when we have um, strong clinging, you know, a strong emotional clinging, is that we, we, can, we don't repress it. You know, like I could have just repressed, shoved down that embarrassment, you know, which would have been really harmful to me. Allowing myself to experience it is the middle path. It's like it was okay to be there, you know, and I didn't have to do anything else. I didn't have to act anything out. It was just a matter of allowing it to be there. And um, and so with anything that we're attached to, uh, that's really the process. We don't have to say, um, no, I'm not attached, you know, and just kind of pretend we're not attached and force ourselves. And you see that often when people, you know, we deprive ourselves of, uh, maybe we go on a diet and deprive ourselves of food and, and you know, and, um, and you can do it. You can, you know, uh, but it's a repression. It's a repression. It's not a real uh, difference in our relationship to food. Um, and and we don't act it out. Like if we're angry, you know, we feel the anger. We allow ourselves to feel the anger. We don't go out and, you know, yell at our boss. You know, it, it kind of causes a mess in our lives to do that. But we also don't repress that anger and pretend everything's okay. We allow ourselves to experience a full range of whatever shows up in our lives. You know, the, the primary condition for letting go of anything is accepting that it's there to begin with. So, one of the things that happens, um, um, for instance, you know, um, I don't, you know, I don't know if any of you have a habit of procrastination, um, but I used to get into these, uh, Okay, these piles and piles on my desk, you know, and uh, and then you know I'd walk by the pile and it'd be like painful every time I walked by, so I'd want to avoid it even more, right? And um, uh, you know, and what happens is that uh, when I finally realized that the first step was to look at the pile and say, "Hi, pile, you're here." You're actually here, and you know, and just kind of hang out with it, and hey, it's okay, um, and working with a pile of a messy desk is a spiritual practice. It's actually a spiritual practice. It's like, okay, here you are, and it's okay you're here. And what's really fascinating to watch is that a mind that accepts the fact that it's there is ready to do something. But if the mind is saying it shouldn't be this way, I'm a terrible person, your mental energy is used up for something else, for judging. Your mind's busy doing all this other stuff instead of just dealing with the mess. So here's the first paper I'm dealing with, right? Uh, what do I do with it? You know, am I, oh God, I've got some hundred more to go. No, 
this is just one paper. I'm showing up for it. I'm dealing with it. It doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't have all this meaning about, you know, a messy desk and all this. So, you know, letting go of these extra ideas in our minds, these judgments, um, allows the mind to have energy to do what's needed, to show up, to do what's hard. Uh, it's a lot easier when, when your mind isn't taken up with all this extra stuff. And same thing in meditation. If you watch your mind, like let's say you spent the last all day and you've never watched more than two breaths in a row. I don't know if any, I've had that experience, you know, on retreat where my just two breaths, that's about all I could manage. That's, you know, and, and what would happen is I'd watch two breaths, then I'd feel like a failure. You know, because I only watched two breaths. And I spent my whole day not really realizing that I kept failing and failing and failing. And I was feeling really, really discouraged, you know. And um, and then I finally dawned on me to just let go of that piece of it. Just let go of that piece. And, um, and that piece uh, uh, gave my mind a lot more energy because I was, wasn't exhausting myself with this self-criticism. And then I had a lot more energy, a lot more mental energy for the mind to begin to, to stabilize a little bit more, to be more at ease, be happier. Uh, the more content we are, the easier it is to stay with the breath. Uh, the easier it is to stay with the breath, then we get more content. So it kind of, it, it cycles that way. And so by letting go of the judgments and accepting it, yep, two breaths, great, I'm back to two more breaths, great, two more, you know. So it just kind of turned it around into, into um, you know, not agitating the mind further with all this um, judgment. You know, if you're ever confused how to let go, the first place to look to, um, the most direct place to let go is letting go in the body. Uh, the body is always there. It gives us a place to ground, a place to start. And as we connect with our bodies, we let go of a, a, any of the extra tensions in the body, it actually gives our minds a little more room, a little more room to see clearly. Um, and once we've connected with our body, we've already planted a seed for letting go. And then, the, then we can begin to explore our relationship to letting go. Like, like for instance, um, um, I go back to this one retreat because it was very meaningful for me. Um, uh, it was like a really big deal because it was like my first three-month retreat. And, um, you know, I flew back east. It was a huge deal in my life to be able to make it happen, you know. And I was just so, so um, you know, had such high expectations, you know. And I think it was like the third day of the retreat, um, a jackhammer started outside the window and went on every single day. Um, and, and I remember, you know, um, uh, I was just so horrified. I was so angry. And, you know, and, and it was just, it was, you know, at first it was really terrible, you know. And, um, and as I worked with it, you know, um, um, <clears throat> you know, I started looking at the unpleasant noise which is unpleasant. There's no question about it. It's kind of jangling to our nervous system, right? And, but it was my relationship to it. They're two different things, right? This is unpleasant noise. This is how I'm relating to it. You know, resistance, anger, trying to push it away, wanting it, rejecting it. You know, all that extra work I was doing. And, you know, so I just kind of kept noticing the, the difference between those two things. This is the unpleasant thing. Might be a pain, a noise, uh, an idea. The unpleasant thing and my relationship to it, how I relax, re related to it. And as I kept doing that, noticing those differences, noticing, and one day it didn't even occur to me that there was a jackhammer outside the door window. 
I didn't even, it was just like, oh, that's a noise. I, it just didn't even occur to me that there could have been anything wrong with it or that it was a problem at all or anything. It was just just kind of like the wind, no different than the, the wind or the birds chirping. It was just a jackhammer. And, um, you know, and it didn't, it wasn't that it was pleasant all of a sudden, but but somehow there was just like all this freedom around it that I, that I it just wasn't a problem. And, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the relationship. And then so so we look at the body sensations of relaxing the body when we're holding on to something, right? And re- relaxing we can relax. Often that's all we need. Often, you know, we t- we get caught in something and all we need is just to relax the body and it's gone. Um, and other times, you know, it's a relationship to it. Like, um, you know, I've had chronic pain most of my life and, uh, and often on retreat, it really, you know, my attention, it would get my attention, you know, and, and there would be the pain and there would be my feeling sorry for myself, my wanting it to be gone, my, you know, all the stories around it. Uh, so they're very different, you know, and as we really recognize the difference between the relationship and the pain, uh, then we begin to have some freedom there. And then the third part, you know, as we're looking at letting go, you know, I see three parts, body, body, heart, that's a relationship to something, and mind. And mind, I kind of like our beliefs or stories. And there's a couple of things I'm going to say about the clingings in the mind. And um, most of us have experienced being attached to a fantasy. Um, have you had any fantasies on this retreat so far come up that you knew you, sh- you really should go back to your breath, but boy, this one's juicy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, um, I, the one that, that I always remember was Gil. Um, you know, he's, he told me that he designed a whole helicopter. <laughs> And that always uh, struck me how much care that takes, you know, to do that. But I've written full stories, you know, and uh, before I finally said, okay, I'm being on a retreat is a special opportunity. I can fantasize any time. Okay. You know, but the attachment to it, because it was pleasant. It was fun. It was, you know, one of the things that happens, uh, it's really interesting. Um, when the mind gets settled, um, it's very possible to go into very deep samadhis, very deep, uh, peaceful, peaceful states. But it's also very easy to go into very creative states. You know, they're very, as the mind gets settled, we can go in many different directions. And, you know, when you t- think of a, a runner being in the zone, or a dancer being in the zone, any athlete, um, you know, there's these moments that, that we have where the mind is really balanced, or energies are balanced, and that the creativity can really come through. And on retreat, you know, as the mind gets calmer and steadier, um, sometimes we get, you know, what I call creative attacks. Um, and there's the, the temptation to go chase them. And, you know, and as I said, I've written some good stories that way. Um, and, um, you know, so, but it's really recognizing that this is that mental energy that if we don't go into the creative attack, you know, we can use it internally and to go into deeper and deeper states of, of our experience. Um, I mean, those states aren't, you know, they're fine. They're just not what we're, he- what we're doing here. Um, so the other thing I want to say about attachment in the mind is, um, or belief systems, you know, um, I found myself, for instance, if, uh, you know, noticing that I had the belief, if I can't watch my breath for five minutes in a row, I'm a bad meditator, you know, and so that's the belief that kept, uh, uh, you know, making me feel bad about myself. You know, just a belief in the mind, you know, that that, that happens. Um, um, I had a friend who, um, uh, you know, 
when you when you're around kind of like the dharma world and the yoga world you know and you see everybody sitting on the floor uh some people get the idea that uh it's really important essential to really be a good meditator to sit on the floor and some people um get very very attached to that idea and so this friend he Sat, forced himself to sit on the floor for a number of retreats and not once was he able to really relax because he was so miserable. But he was going to do it because he was going to sit on the floor and be a real yogi, you know. And on one retreat, he finally, he finally said, my body's not doing this. I think I guess I'll try a chair, you know. And he got so deeply, deeply concentrated, inspired. Uh, it changed his practice completely because he wasn't forcing himself to do something that his body just wasn't about to do. And it was just based on the belief, the attachment to the idea that I have to sit on the floor to be a real meditator. And, um, you know, I loved it. You know, I went to this um, uh, Tibetan exhibit um, at the, um, in San Francisco, you know, at, at some, some years back and, you know, went through the whole exhibit, watching, you know, seeing all the tankas, all the beautiful art, but the very last piece of the exhibit, as you finished the exhibit, uh, was this, uh, Buddha sitting on a chair and it was labeled Buddha, the future. <laughs> And it was really sweet. It was very sweet seeing that. Um, um, you know, a lot of our beliefs, we have some core beliefs that are really, um, you know, kind of um, can run our lives quite a bit, you know. And I've mentioned this before, but like one of the core beliefs that that have, has run a lot of my life is the idea that life is supposed to be fair. And um, and it's really dissonant with the fact that life isn't fair. You know, and having that belief just kept me at odds with life, at odds with the world all the time, always contentious because life just wasn't fair. And um, and it's not that I I won't do everything I can to make things fair when I have an opportunity. It's actually made me more effective in the world, um, you know, to make things better, to to make things more fair when I can. But um, but I've accepted the fact that life just isn't fair. You know, people have, sometimes people have a lot. Sometimes people don't have much. Uh, people have born with tons of talents, people are born with, um, you know, lots of challenges, you know, it just isn't, uh, uh, isn't all fair. And uh, f that belief, you know, wasn't like I believed it consciously, it was right under the surface, it was under the surface. And there's a lot of these kind of beliefs that uh, can show up when the mind's quiet that sometimes we need to question. And so these are the layers that happen as we let go, you know, um, it gets subtler and subtler and subtler. So I want to say one, um, one thing about attachment to comfort, you know, and especially on retreat, you know, we try to make, um, uh, the retreat center as comfortable as possible for most people, but but everybody still has discomfort, right? <laughs> most people find discomfort no matter what because that's that's the nature of these human bodies, and um, you know chasing comfort is a never-ending activity, and in our culture in particular, um, you know we've become um, so capable of always controlling the heat, the air conditioning. We even have heated car seats. Um, you know, everything's just like, you know, I want my coffee just the right temperature and, and just a little bit this, and it's got to be just right, you know. And we're so, so um, focused on trying to get our external environment to be just the way we want it. And the problem is that... Um, in uh, actually, it when we do that, it decreases our capacity for discomfort. 
it decreases their capacity. Uh, like for instance, like people who um, don't live in air conditioned and heat controlled environments can actually aren't as cold and aren't as hot. Um, you know, so uh, one of the things that the practice does is to become uh, more able to let go into our discomforts, allow ourselves to be present with our discomforts, not try to fix it constantly. Uh, it increases our capacity to be uncomfortable. But the really nice thing about that, it also increases her capacity to experience uh, pleasure. And, and um, I don't know if you've noticed, you know, um, uh, how some of the food you ate tastes particularly good, you know, a little bit extra special when you're on retreat. It has a little bit, because you're more aware of it, um, you know, so... Um, you know, the more we allow ourselves to be with ourselves the way things are, the more it expands it both ways to increase our capacity for both pleasure and pain. Um, one of the things I like to say is that, um, you know, one of the big uh, uh, pluses of my practice is that I've gotten so much more comfortable being uncomfortable. So, Tell you, uh, there's a classic little story of um, that talks about attachment, about uh, letting go. You know that that I love. You know, so probably some of you have heard this already, but um, it's about two monks who are about to cross a stream. And, you know, the monks take vows, you know, not to touch women, not to be in relations with women. You know, there's celibate practice, right? And um, they see a woman, um, a young woman carrying a basket who's really struggling to, to get across the river, and cr across the stream. And, you know, carrying a basket full of goods and, you know, and so the, the elder monk, um, you know, goes up to the woman, lifts her up and carries her across the stream and sets her back down. Um, so then the two monks keep walking, you know, and the, um, and after a while, you know, the younger monk is just really upset, you know, and, and he says, you know, um, how could you do that? You know, you, you know, we're monks, we're not supposed to touch women, et cetera, et cetera. He says, oh, you're still carrying her? I let her, I let, stopped carrying her a while ago. <laughs> so, um, so it's what we do with our minds. You know, one more thing I want to say about this. Um, um, you know, one of the, um, if you look at the human brain, you know, if you've seen, I don't know how many of you have seen pictures of brains, but they have these grooves, these like, uh, they look like these little ruts in the, in the brain. And I think e even though it's not physiologically right, I, I still like to think of it, to see that image in my mind when I think of this. Um, um, you know, whatever we think of, Whatever we think of, um, what we think of regularly and frequently m disposes the mind to think that way more, right? This is how we learn, right? If we practice uh, swinging a hammer, right, we get better at swinging a hammer. If we practice being angry, we practice, we get better at being angry. It's easier to be angry. If we practice being peaceful, it's more likely we're going to be peaceful again. And so as we look at our minds, the reason that I'm bringing this up is that how important every one of our thoughts are. Every one, every moment, any moment predisposes us to the next moment, what's going to happen next. And sometimes, you know, we think, oh, you know, this moment doesn't count. I'm kind of low energy. You know, how we, um, how we deal with feeling low energy, that moment is very precious. Because if we go, oh, I'm low energy, I'm just going to veg out, you know. I'm, uh, or I'm low energy, and it's okay, I'm low energy. 
it's okay, you know, and we stay with it, we stay present. So it predisposes the mind to, to how we're going to be the next moment. Um, and so what I was, you know, one of the things that happens is that we kind of have a default, uh, default habits, Right. Like for me, I had the default habit. Right. Whenever I had to call tech support, I'd get irritated. Just the fact I even had to call, I would be pre-irritated. <laughs> you know, um, some people have, um, you know, default habits and, you know, oh, the perfect one is going home to visit the parents. You know, some of us who have um, not everybody has this uh, peaceful relationship with our parents. You know, so every time I came home, you know, to visit my family, I'd be irritable. Um, you know, so there's just these habits, habits of mind, you know, and um, and so as we get near it, we just drop into it. As we get near it, we drop into it. And same thing happens in our minds, even without these outward situations. Uh, as we get near certain topics, we drop into it. Like I notice... Um, you know, watching the news, you know, I see this one, um, one word I won't mention on this retreat. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and, you know, and I see something tense, you know, a little bit tense, uh, just kind of, you know, get near it and it just tenses. Yeah. So you relax into it. Um, but so these are the ruts of the mind, you know, and the dispositions of the mind. You know, and one of the things that's really important is, you know, what happens when we let go of something? What happens to the mind when we let go of something? We go into kind of a neutral state. Okay, so let's say we were really pissed at someone, you know, and and we kind of process it, we let it go, Whew. You know, we feel lighter for a moment, and then there isn't so anything much happening. We tend to fall into our default way of being. And so that's the point where we have a choice. So maybe your default way of being at that moment isn't uh, the most skillful. Maybe your default way of being isn't, isn't the most healthy way of being. So at that moment, we can have a choice of, of uh, connecting with the body instead. You know, you let go of something and you go to the body, you get present, you go to the breath, you get here. Instead of whew, let go of that and, okay, let the mind drift and see where it lands, which might end up in a, in a very, not a helpful place because that's our default way of being. So by being in the body, we're always coming into something more skillful, some, you know, something more helpful. And lastly, I just want to say, um, you know, just, uh, you know, I, I said this, but I just want to say it again, you know, letting go, renouncing of, of something involves both a loss and a joy. And, uh, and to allow that, to have the compassion for ourselves, to allow ourselves for losses, and that allows the joyness and lightness that comes from letting go to, uh, to nourish us, to show up in our lives. And um, I'm going to end with a short quote from Ashan Shah, one of the forest monks. If you let go a little, you will have a little happiness. If you let go a lot, you will have a lot of happiness. And if you let go completely, you will be completely happy. So, thank you.